find partners sounds simple if you've got margin. And if you don't, and you've just obliterated all of your margin through all your partners, and all you're doing is moving units that have <laughs> no profit for you, yeah. then you've created a system that has eliminated profit. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Hey, folks, welcome back to the e-commerce leader. Today, we are talking about Amazon global expansion. And today I've got a 10-step process to go through to help decide which Amazon international marketplaces you might want to sell in, if indeed it's right for your business at all. There is great opportunity in international expansion, but equally there is a lot of work that goes into it. So making a good evaluation of whether it's worth it for you and if it is, how to go about it in, in the right sort of way from the strategic perspective is really, really important. So hopefully today will be really helpful to you. If you've got an itch that you wanted to scratch, then maybe you can help give you some structure to that process. So enjoy the show. Number four is really pick your fight. So once you've looked at this, to your point, go into one more market. Don't try and do lots at the same time, right? So we've already really talked about that, but it's really important. And the European Union, even if you're based in the EU, is not a unified thing. Just like in the States, yeah. it turns out yeah. that, that they're really different on sales tax. There are different VAT rates. There are different rules. France likes to be protectionist. Spain seems to be complicating things right now. So there's always some kind of nuance going on. So pick one country, pick one marketplace and, and hammer that at that until you've either decided it's not for us or it's mm -hmm. working, we've refined it, we've stabilized it. Yeah. Okay. Evaluate barriers to entry, which is mm. the scary bit. <laughs> mm. Number one is tax. Probably you're even kind of conceptually Americans freak out about VAT just as we in the UK or Europe freak out about sales tax because it's just not something in our daily experience. And the answer to that is just, it's not, it's a who, not how thing. And please, can I just beg anyone listening? Don't go on a freeze Facebook group and ask for tax advice. That's not a wise idea. It's either going to be completely wrong uh, or it's going to be completely wrong, but looks plausible and you follow it, which is even worse. Just just go and pay for some professional advice yeah. and uh, think yeah. it through really professional. If you're talking sales tax, really think it through with a professional because it's a complicated area. The second thing is you got to evaluate freights. That's normally pretty much of a commodity. But if you're shipping from the UK to EU, you really want to make sure that we have, you know, some, some real experts on board yeah. because there's a yeah. lot of people who think they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, third one is translation and localization of listings and the linguistic mm -hmm. side. And the fourth one is customer service. In my opinion, I'm, I've got a language background, so maybe I'm biased, but I think people make too much of that. You can hire that fairly easily. That mm -hmm. is not too painful. Okay. People think that's a big deal. I don't think it is. One that's not on your list that I'd be interested to hear your thought on, which I've heard Kyle say before, is legal entity. You know, do you, do you need a business itself in Germany or a business set up in whatever country? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, uh, that's really one for the lawyers to, to okay. mull over, I suppose. I would yeah. say my experience with if you're UK based and you want to sell in America, you don't probably need a US entity. And I would argue that you probably do not want to be getting a US entity because California particularly, but other states as well, are starting to come after people for all kinds of taxes I had never heard of in my life. And uh, I'm not sure I'd want to be overexposed to that, to be honest. So most <laughs> of the time, UK entities seem to work internationally yeah. quite well. Yeah. Various uh, America has a kind of alphabet soup of legal entities, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to go into that. Okay, but yeah. maybe. Uh, I think that's less likely to be the case than you might think, but you'd have to talk to a lawyer. 
I guess. Yeah. Okay. What steps? Contact or find partners. So this is the who, not how piece. What existing partnerships do you have to solve issues already? And how quickly can you find help? And as I said, just make the offer to anyone listening. Do hit me up on PM or email me if you've got a specific issue around tax freights, whatever. Not because I'm an expert. I am not, but I know a lot of people who are yeah. um, as well. So that's really quite straightforward. But the quality yeah. of your partners is critical. They need to know their business because without them, the whole thing falls apart. With great people, you just phone them, they solve the problem or email them or whatever. And then you move on. I think that there's a sub thread though underneath that one that is a little bit of a tell for the quality of your business, which is as soon as you start to say, I need a partner for this, I need a partner for that, you start to see the the dollar signs, you know, ching, 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 come in and you're thinking, how do I pay for all of these partners to help me run this abroad? And it immediately comes back to economics of your business, the quality of your business, whether you've got unit margin and whether you've got a business that really is uh, scalable. And, and this is, you know, one of the reasons why the, the businesses that have fantastic unit economics and real value kind of in, inherit for you as the owner are much more scalable than ones where you're eking out a real low margin. So obviously this, you know, find partners sounds simple if you've got margin. And if you don't, and you've just obliterated all of your margin through all your partners, and all you're doing is moving units that have <laughs> no profit for you, yeah. then you've created a system that has eliminated profit yeah. <laughs> because you've expanded it too far with expenses that were too high based on yeah. your unit economics, I guess, is, is my thinking there. 100% right. And yes, everything you said is is very, very true. And I suppose the first thing I would say is, yeah, if your unit economics are that bad, then you have a bigger problem. This is just a symptom of that, as exactly like you said. And the other thing is, to your point of, you know, putting one channel at a time and assuming it will work, you know, multiple channel expansion, assuming it will work is a great way to add to your expenses without adding to your revenue commensurately. And as you say, give all your profit to your yeah. partners. And that's yeah. very easy to do. By the way, yeah. the partner who's taking the biggest profit partner in the broader sense, you're, you're one of those little, you know, uh, creatures swimming around a shark is Amazon. Let's not kid ourselves, but also freight forwarders right now are obviously going to take a big percentage because, you know, freight's super expensive. And yeah, you, you absolutely have to have an evaluation stage before you scale it. And and that's really critical to build in. So that's one of my steps. Oh, there you go. Okay, step seven. <laughs> step seven. So check your resources against requirements. So obviously, if you have to, you know, pay for a lawyer and you have to do a legal entity, by the way, quite likely you don't, but, you know, VAT registration, VAT compliance, whatever it is, okay, go and uh, talk to people and evaluate, you know, get a budget together. What would it cost? And then, you know, add up the numbers. And to your point, will your business support this? The answer may well be no, which is fine. That doesn't mean that's wasted time because yeah. in two years time, your business may be differently placed. You go back to some of the same partners yeah. or similar. You've gone through the processes. It will go a lot quicker. And you say, right, we're now in a position to hire you to do X for us. Mm -hmm. um, but just evaluate the capital costs and the time and effort as well. I love this one. And of course, if it sounds so simple, like, oh, just evaluate. Uh, but the challenge is there are fixed costs and variable costs. True. And some of these marketplaces you're going to be investing into in the early days. And, you know, this is true for Shopify exercises as well to build a Shopify site for your, you know, standalone brand. A lot of people come to us and we're like, here's all the expenses. And the question is, do they have the appetite to invest? It's almost like farming, you know, are you willing to, you know, dig holes, clear weeds, you know, shovel manure and watch your little baby trees uh, that all feel like total expense with no benefit grow into big giant fruit trees that are giving you the, the fruit that you want. 
And the question is, how rapidly does that fruit mature? And how long do you have to be in investment mode versus uh, payback mode? Now, I would submit to you that setting up an alternate country in Amazon is probably one of the fastest omni-channel opportunities that could exist because you know the you know the system, you know the economics, you know the known that you there's no unknown knowns or no unknown unknowns or whatever Rumsfeld. <laughs> what are those things? But but other channels like setting up a Walmart or setting up an eBay or a Shopify, you could be investing in that for years before you mm-hmm. break even. And you just have to have the stomach for it. But you also have to understand your math and say, okay, if these fixed costs eventually get to this sales velocity and the variable costs remain the same, I'm going to get to a place where I'm starting to extract more and more value the more my sales velocity grows on these platforms. So I think this is the nuance here in this this step seven. That's It's a little bit of, you know, go take a math class and yeah. kind of a strategic thinking class and really ponder how could it work if I moved 5,000 units on Walmart or 5,000 units in Amazon Germany and, you know, think through that. Yeah. To your points, yes, strategy and, and financial literacy are absolutely critical. And and when it comes to international expansion, again, it's a symptom, not a cause, really. If your business is a mess, then you shouldn't be expanding internationally. <laughs> you should sort that out. And it's easy to say, and it's easy to run in a day-to-day reactive capacity. I mean, I, I tend towards that. And so I'm not criticizing anyone, but yeah, very good point. And the other thing I would say, to your point, it's absolutely the, the payoff versus investment thing. I would say, from my experience of private label product development, a little bit different for the wholesalers and resellers of course is that you're probably going to be putting money in for at least 12 months for a new product line whereas with international expansion you know maybe it takes you six months to get VAT registered in Germany because they've got a backlog but you're not going to be paying out money constantly during that time in the way that you do with new product development and you know putting a ton of money down for capital of the the inventory it's going to be maybe a one-off cost and then some ongoing compliance costs maybe it's 200 bucks a month maybe it's 2000 whatever it is and You know, it's not going to be as big or as nasty, in my experience, as as product development costs. So again, when you're weighing the opportunity up, that might be well pushing you towards keeping the product offering the same, mm-hmm. but expanding internationally. Because to your point, the payback time might be a lot quicker. So, yeah. Yeah. and the cash flow characteristics could actually improve once you've done it. But yeah, yeah you've got to think it through. You're absolutely right. I love it, and 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 the reason I think that's so valuable is. Because some of us get to the point where we have these business milestones we achieve, where if we're fortunate to in the e-commerce space to say, "Oh, I'm I'm paying my own, you know, lifestyle. I'm full time now with my business. Oh, I I'm full time plus I've hired some people I needed." And, and then and you reach another milestone, and then you're like, "Well, I've got surplus money, and what do I do with this? Do I just take it and put it in my retirement account, or or to make it work for me in my business?" And so the investment into your business and other alternate sales channels is an obvious place to consider that will help you expand in the future. Okay, I love this. So so what's step number eight? So step number eight is really recognizing that despite all the planning we'll have done, and you will need to do some planning and some spreadsheets, I'm afraid, you're not going to get it right because nobody has a crystal ball. So the main thing is to recognize that upfront and plan to do a market test of what I'd call a minimum viable launch. Now, minimal viable doesn't mean small necessarily. So make sure you've got the money for it, but you've got to evaluate the demand Add on, you know, so how many units are you going to need for starters? And once you've taken care of tax, freight, compliance, whatever, 
add on some units needed for launch as well, and then plan a launch budget, including PPC. And this is where, to your point, Jason, that if you've done a launch in the USA, Amazon or UK Amazon, then doing it the other way around is going to be very similar mechanics and the backend systems work in a similar way. The costs may be different in scale. So the, the cost per click in the US are probably going to be higher than anywhere else, etc. But then the main, main thing is do that test launch. And don't stress about going out of stock either. If it's a test launch. The main thing is to see, can I get to the point where I sell a certain number of units at a certain price? And therefore, once I scale that forwards and do it at scale, what profit per unit can I expect? And is this yeah. worth yeah. the effort? Yeah. So that's why you're doing it. So don't stress out about, oh, I've gone out of stock. Yes, well, that's yeah. good because you only put a thousand units into something you thought could handle 5,000 units for every three months. And you were right. That's good. Go back, order 5,000 units and then launch properly. But a test launch is an exercise of humility of knowing you do not have the ability to predict the future. Yeah. So do your homework, but then go and test it and see if you were right. So then the, it begs the question of what we just talked about for, which is for that test launch, what time duration do you put on that to <laughs> say to yourself, this is a worthy amount of time that I really understand what's happening. What would you give it in terms of duration? That's kind of how long is a piece of string question. I guess mm, I wouldn't yeah. make it too short, put it this way. If you're yeah. seri- if you're not serious, you shouldn't do it anyway because it's going to be work and risk, right? Yeah. So the first to your point. And if you're thinking this could be producing a future stream of income for years, don't undercook it. Maybe you're allowed three months. Maybe it's six. Mm. It just, okay, it, but I don't know. Let me challenge your thinking. Wouldn't yeah, you want to get through do. like any kind of big holiday sales thing? Like, I mean, if it, if you're you're in, in European marketplaces, do they have a like a Christmas time Q4 push just like in the U.S. Is a hundred percent, yeah. Black Friday, but, Cyber Monday exists beyond just the yeah, U.S. So if you, maybe if you're talking about the timing, as in which part mm-hmm. of the season to launch in, then I would definitely avoid Q4 because if you're coming from nowhere and everyone's spending like crazy on PPC and ranking really hard because they're selling very quickly, it's going to be hard to make a dent. So if yeah. that's the question, that's a simpler one to answer. I would launch. But any, anywhere outside Q4 or whatever the equivalent in gardening, for example, I know that, mm-hmm. you know, February, March, April is mm-hmm. big, big time. So launch outside of peak season, really. So, but to my point, the duration of your test needs duration, to in- yeah. comprehend the, the, the peak and the valley. Potentially if you're going to do a really market press, you'd have yeah. to have a twelve-month launch, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because yeah. you'd need to get the you need to get seasonal data. I suppose I'm talking about a smaller launch than that. And I suppose that in which case, yeah, you, okay, you got to account for seasonality, which is really hard to do, and there's a lot of variability chucked into the equation by COVID right now. So, to your point, I guess that this isn't a highly scientific test. I'm not saying you should ramp up from, you know, a three-month test where you put 300 units into ordering 30,000 units. I mean, I guess take it in stages. It's maybe a, an in between thing i'm more in favor of of iterative answers to things rather than planned answers if you see what i mean because i don't think you know necessarily but i would say try three months if that works put what you think is six months worth of stock if you keep going out of stock then go okay let's ramp this up yeah even maybe get some investment partners or debt or or whatever is appropriate once you've got something proven and really ramp it up but i would take it in stages i suppose to put it simplistically okay what's step Step nine is evaluate that's really really important you made your plan then you've done a test launch. There's no point in doing a test unless you evaluate the numbers and also the stress level. You've got to be the evaluation for this sort of stuff isn't just about money because some people stress out about things being out. It's a sort of mental thing that's outside of their country. They stress about their inventory being more under risk somehow or, you know, dealing with different languages or different cultures. Some people are fine with that, but stress out about inventory. I'm more like that. So, 
you know, mostly it's a financial decision, but it's also about focus and, and mental focus and stress. And you just got to evaluate, is the game worth the candle? You know, did we make extra profit or we, if it's just a test launch, you know, do our figures tell us that once we scale this up, we should be able to do this profitably. And to the point you were making a three month launch, whatever it is, is not really long enough to thoroughly answer that question, but it gives you a good, you know, some evidence in that direction. And so I guess that the next thing is really step 10, which is double down, but don't like quadruple down. So, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, add more inventory, but don't abandon your beloved, you know, primary market that's up and proven and running and troubleshooting the issues, find new partners. If you discover that there was some, some box you didn't tick for some country or maybe change partners, if one of them turned out not mm -hmm. to be that good. Yeah. Um, and then budget for the next phase of expansion and allocate the resources and make sure by the way it sounds so simple but don't double allocate the resources you can't use the same money twice to expand your product lines in america and then also expand into japan yeah if you've allocated it for one resource make sure you've got some way of of of, of showing that in the system for yourself yeah. and for your team as well i love looking to increase your online sales join ecom events at one of their four events throughout the usa miami in january san diego in march minneapolis in july and new york city in october the conference offers learning tips and tools needed to increase your sales networking food and refreshments prize drawing and lots of fun for all seller levels head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code amazing fba to save 50 dollars off your ticket cost this this phrase you had in the show notes which is double down or delete and yeah. that's really the heart of the challenge isn't it because what will most likely happen is you won't hit a grand slam home run to use American baseball terms or, but you won't also have a massive implosion or failure. You'll have some result that's somewhere in the middle. And that's the hardest, you know, type of result to evaluate, which is True. like, is this working kind of, well, do you kill it? I don't know. And so that's the hardest thing to really think through How do you double down or delete in that context? And to your prior point about evaluating, I think that, the thing to, to think through at this stage is probably to the old Chinese proverb I heard once is before you begin any game, understand the rules and mm. how long you're going to play and, or something like that. I don't know. That's really the phrase, but I, that's how I remember the phrase, but understand the rules and, and, and how long you're going to play before you, before you start, because you, you've got to create your own evaluation criteria. And if you don't do that, you'll do it your stomach will do it for you eventually. You know, your intuition will kick in and be like, I don't know if this is worth it. Well, why don't you know? Because we didn't ever think about whether or not to evaluate it. But yeah. at some point, the truth will come up from within you and you'll say, this doesn't seem right anymore. But those are the hardest things to decide upon because maybe you're just needing to wait for the, by the way, ugly duckling to turn into the golden goose. You know, uh, I to to this point, it's a strategic slash thinking self management point, which is really fascinating. I'm glad you brought it up. There's a great book called The Dip by Seth Godin. He's always a good thinker, and 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 one of the lovely things I've experienced about his thinking is the the older he gets, the more content he produces. I think the more profound his insights are, which is not common. Most people just recycle the same thing for 20 years. And The Dip is really interesting. It's about strategic quitting. He says at the beginning of the book, I think we've met, I don't know if we've done a podcast about it. He says when is quit early and when is quit often. But the key is to plan whether you're going to quit because if you just follow your gut 
it may be and if you've got a refined you know in, entrepreneurs int- intuition as you have probably jason after you know over a decade in the business maybe your gut's telling you a truth but it can be that it's your fear speaking and if you yeah. haven't made a plan for what are our objective criteria going and how much money will we spend yeah. before we shut this down how much time are we going to give it yeah. to your question of should it be three months i don't know each individual business has owner has to decide but you should put a number down mm, um yeah. a time and a budget limit and yeah. if you say okay we tried to expand into germany we spent a hundred thousand dollars in a year are we going to shut it down at that point yeah. you should decide before you go into the the test phase before you even launch the thing where do you cut it off and yeah. i think an objective decision in advance doesn't mean you can't nuance it when you're there but i think that helps guard against you being yeah. driven by fear because at some point it is going to be a lot of hassle and you're going to hate it because that's yeah. just reality of certain things deal with tax authorities and freight they're not fun things yeah I, profit is fun you know i need to read that book i love seth Godin, but i'm pretty sure i disagree i would i would frame it this way hmm. i think winners are brutally honest and pivot relentlessly to solve what's not working. And maybe yeah. that's called quitting. I don't know. But I think if you think of people who are trying to do really complicated things, Thomas Edison with a light bulb, or, you know, Elon Musk with landing a, a spaceship or, or a rocket on a pad in the middle of the ocean, successfully, they're, they're brutally honest, mm. and have a system in their mind of iteration that yeah. allows them to go from this is horribly not work, you know, this is working horribly, or this is not working to yeah what to change, what to change to, how to make the change, and how yeah. that rapid iteration, that maybe that's the quitting the one way and, and, and trying a different way maybe to use yeah. a dip idea. But I think that's what I see people do. And other people who are less successful, in my view, are willing or more comfortable ignoring problems. Hmm. And kind of being like, eh, I just, you know, I'm going to set that over on the side here and not think about it. Hmm. Whereas super successful people are like, I'm going to take that apart and I'm going to make that thing work. And I'm just <laughs> going to keep grinding until I figure out why it's not working and whether it can work. And really, you know, I just, I, I hate the idea of people quitting on stuff too soon. Hmm. Yeah, well, so, I, yeah. so, so the, maybe the, the nuance there is the word yeah. quit may mean different things to different people. Pivot sure. is maybe... yeah. If you read the book, I mean, it's worth reading. I mean, like you can evaluate for yourself uh, and you may disagree and and perfectly rightly so. But I think, yeah, pivoting is one way of look, looking at it. The other thing is, yeah, I'm not suggesting you just throw in the towel just because it's a little bit harder and takes longer than you think and, and costs more than you thought, because that's just normal for any new project, frankly, isn't it? It's more a question of not... Yeah you know, being bloody minded and just yeah. keeping going for hours and decades when you should take the hint that Germany isn't for your product or yeah. Japan. Certain products resonate in certain marketplaces and, and sometimes the marketplace will give you the feedback. And as you said, if your gut's telling you this isn't working, that doesn't mean you should give up an international expansion. It just may mean that product in that marketplace yeah. isn't the thing, yeah. but you should maybe try the same products in a different marketplace and pivot. So to, to that point, in the end, it comes to the same kind of things really. Wow. This is just fantastic, man. This is probably going to be two episodes in our podcast. Before we wrap up, I want to just ask you to do two, two things. One is to do a recap of the 10 steps, but also we usually have a, a set of resources in our show notes. And I've just noticed that your set of resources, you should just rattle them off to everybody yes, here I think as, I should. We, as we talk it through. Just give us an overview of the, you've got like seven or eight bullet points here of resources. Um, you want to do those and then do a summary and we can wrap up? 
Perfect. Yes. So our friend Kevin Sanderson is uh, very good on international expansion and uh, he's a US based, but he sells pretty much everywhere that there is an Amazon marketplace, as far as I can tell, certainly the usual ones. So he's worth following. He's got a nice knack of keeping things fairly simple. He's very positive to your point that he, he tries to see opportunity more than the problem. So he's, you know, very you know, positive, typically up, upbeat US kind of guy, a guide for that. It sounds like Kyle Hamer is you know, your business partner in, in the advisory stuff who I know well is is the man to talk to about US-based sellers selling into Japan, which is an excellent opportunity to explore for everyone. doesn't mean it will be for you, but explore at least. John Kant of, of Rising Sun Commerce, my friend over in the UK, deals with a lot of UK and US sellers expanding into Japan. And he lived out there and his wife's Japanese. So he's got a very thorough grasp of, of the culture, what will work there, what won't. A couple of other resources. If you you're selling in multiple Amazon marketplaces and keeping track of the analytics, including stock control, which can be a nightmare, as I said. Eva.guru is a very good uh, resource for that. It's a, it's a pretty affordable and very powerful artificial intelligence system. Simply VAT, if you're wanting to sell in EU, if you're UK-based or US sellers selling in the EU or UK, they really are very, very good at this stuff. We've tried multiple different partners for VAT, and these guys deliver very consistently. YLT translations from Yana Krekic. Um, I deal with lots of different marketplaces, different translating, and they're very sophisticated about that side. And, and two final things. The, the, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. The, the letter Y, the letter L, and the letter T. Y, exactly L, T right. Y, L, T. Exactly okay. right. Yeah. They're not yep. the cheapest, but they're very, very good. So if you're serious, then they will do a, a good job for you. Yep. Uh, and I would argue you shouldn't go into a marketplace that isn't a serious looking opportunity anyway. I think you're wasting your time, as we've talked earlier. Two final things, just mentioning the off Amazon expansion possibilities. Paul Sonnefeld, who's based in Australia of Merchant Spring. They deal with analytics tracking across multiple different channels, uh, including Amazon and off Amazon. And then Chris Scrimgore of, of Pioneer based in the UK is very good for coming up with ideas for multiple international markets outside Amazon, which is going quite a lot beyond the sort of scope of what we talked about today. But if you're super ambitious, you may end up yeah. being multi-multi channels in, in lots of different areas of the world. And there are many opportunities out there as well. Love it. So we're, we'll have all those references in the show notes again on the ecommerceleader.com if you want to go and just you know click through. But, but you can obviously Google all that stuff. But to catch the specifics, check out our show notes for this episode. Okay, you want to give us a summary of your 10 steps and maybe just the top level reason why international expansion is a great idea for people and we can wrap it up from there? Sure. So the 10 steps first. So step one, tie it into your bigger goals. Make sure that if you've got profit goals, medium term, or you want to exit in the medium or longer term, that it makes sense to add international expansion. There's got to be more upside than downside, simply put. Second one is consider some of the alternative uses of your cash and your time and re your team's sort of mental focus, which is new product lines versus new sales channels. Those are the classic expansion plays. Sometimes you should choose one or the other. And to your point, Jason, one channel at a time, I think one product at a time broadly unless you're really good at mass launching products i don't know a few people i trust with that number three evaluate the size of the opportunity probably start with the biggest markets usa is an obvious one if you're not selling there germany uk japan obvious ones as well in terms of decent sized markets and germany and japan are probably for my money, more likely to be good opportunities just because it's more of a barrier to entry. Step four, pick your fight, i.e. choose one market at a time to expand into. Step five, evaluate the barriers to entry. They're probably going to be tax, freight, translation, and localization, and a little bit of customer service. Frankly, you can probably get away with Google Translate to start with there, and maybe legal entity things. You should probably talk to a lawyer 
my suspicion is you can probably keep that simpler than you think anyway. Number six, contact or find partners to take care of the things like that. Number seven, check your resources against requirements, not just money, although that's obviously critical, but your mental bandwidth. Number eight, do a market test or a minimal viable launch. How long should that be? Maybe it's three months, maybe it's six months, but make a plan and stick with it. Number nine, evaluate the test launch, finances, but also mental stress levels. And number 10, uh, double down or delete. If it's worth going into, go down into it properly. If it isn't, make a proper decision and just shut the thing down so it's not floating around, absorbing yeah. time and energy when it's not producing an upside for you. Terrific list, man. Wonderful. I really, really appreciate your points of view on this. Uh, it's fun to do this conversation with you there based in, in, in England and to, for the U.S. listeners to be able to check it out. You know, in our statistics, most audience is either U.S. or UK. I mean, that's that's like, you know, 95, 90% or whatever, or, or either one or the other. So we kind of get this dual, you know, listenership. And so it's fun to have this type of conversation be across the pond, I guess, as they say. So thank you again for sharing your wisdom and insights on this one. Thank you for listening with us. For those of you who are watching live, really, really appreciate the opportunity to serve you. It really is an honor. I'll just make one final call to action. And that is, if you have not checked out our uh, four-person conversation that's occurring now every week on the call-in app. You can check out the e-commerce leader call-in show on the call-in app. We just did a hot topic on Tuesday, which was using debt to fuel your growth. Hot takes, yes or no, our perspectives, what we've seen, what we've done. And so you want to go check that out and um, go from there. So thanks, Michael, as always, for a wonderful conversation. Thanks, man. It's always an honor to talk it through with somebody with your you know, insights and, and experience. Yep. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.